You see, through faith, we were placed into union with Jesus Christ, and thus his death to sin on the cross and his resurrection unto life. And this happened when we believed the Holy Spirit placed us into the body of Christ. We were baptized, placed into, identified with. Welcome to this midweek edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we return to our series in Colossians. Yes, we will, Dave. And today we begin to look at a truly life-changing portion of Scripture. So please turn with us to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 1 through 4. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, you've probably heard that old saying, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a life. In the book of Proverbs, speaking of the rich man who, seeing his riches as his life in a sense, the writer says, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You know, the way we think really is who we are. And before we came to Christ, we just thought about the things of us and the things of our lives and the things of the world, whatever it was, that's what we thought about. And when we came to Christ, our hearts were changed. And we began, because of God's word, to think about the things of God. And we desire to follow the Lord. If you're a true believer, you want to follow the Lord. You don't want to go out and live a worldly lifestyle. You don't want to live and set your mind on the things below. You don't want to do that. You want to follow Christ. And yet, as we follow Christ, there are threats to our faith in Christ. We've seen in the book of Colossians that there were bad guys who were attempting to delude the Colossians with persuasive arguments to pull them away from the sufficiency of Christ, to actually have worldly thoughts in a religious manner, in a sense. And in that, we need to be careful because we can, as we follow Christ, start to think we're following him, thinking about things the way we used to think about things. And so the question I have for you today is, what should we be thinking about? Let's turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And we're in the middle of our study of Colossians. And we're going to see that we should have a focus on Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul has never personally visited the Colossians, but he has heard from Epaphras, their spiritual father, who has traveled some 1,600 miles. He's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for the saints, the hope that they have in heaven through the gospel. And he has also heard of the threats, as I've just mentioned, to their faith, that there were those trying to delude them with persuasive arguments. There were those trying to kidnap them spiritually, religiously speaking, that they thought the way these people and the things they were bringing would help them with their battle with the flesh. But it's of no value against fleshly indulgence. We saw that the Apostle Paul, to combat this evil and this threat to the faith of the Colossians and those in Lycos River Valley, to combat that threat, he shares a focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is a solution. Christ is the solution to threats to our faith. 
You see, every threat to our faith pulls us so subtly off of Christ, even in his name, pulls us off of Christ. And Christ is the solution. And within that, he began to share that we should, having been founded in Christ and loving one another, faith in Christ, that he prayed that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will, that we would be controlled with the knowledge of his desire for us. And then he began to give us a picture of who Christ really is. A reminder, because we know these things, but we need a reminder. We need to think of these things. Today we're going to see, we're going to think of the things above and all of what we've seen of the things above. That Christ is the creator, that through him and by him all things were created, chapter 1. And that he is the head of the new creation, the church. And it's through his shed blood that we have forgiveness of sins. And we are going to be presented holy and blameless. He's the supreme Lord of his first creation and the supreme Lord of his new creation. He's the supreme Lord of everything. He's Lord of all. And in this focus on the person of Christ, we see he being fully God and fully man died to reconcile us, as I mentioned before, in order to present us holy and blameless beyond reproach. And now having given us a picture of the person of Christ, the Apostle Paul begins to share the Lord's ministry through him, which is in contrast to the bad guy's ministry. And we saw in chapter 1 that authentic ministry has God's men ministering. And we saw that authentic ministry preaches God's message, Christ proclaimed from the word, fully proclaimed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we see that authentic ministry uses God's method, Christ proclaimed, uh, with the goal, completeness in Christ, presenting every man complete in Christ Jesus. Then in chapter 2, as I've mentioned it already, there were those attempting to delude these Colossians with persuasive arguments. They were being tempted to be kidnapped spiritually, taken away, dragged away. And we saw that these persuasive arguments were in contrast to the reality of who we really are, that as we have received Christ, we should so walk in him. And we saw the Apostle Paul share the truth concerning the person of Christ, that he is God in human flesh, and that in him we are complete and that he has complete victory over our demonic foes, and that in this we have a complete salvation in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we shouldn't let these bad guys bamboozle us. As we saw, there were three ways that our faith could get shipwrecked. We saw, first of all, we're not to be dependent on religious shadows. We're not to let anyone judge us and put pressure on us to follow the shadows. We also saw that we are not to delight in religious experience because when we do, we're effectively cut off from growing in Christ. We think we're growing, but we're not growing at all. Experience doesn't grow us. It is God through his word by his spirit that grows us. And that may be an experience in itself there, but that's not the experience that grows us, okay? And then we saw that we're not to submit to religious decrees. The do not touch, the do not taste, the do not handle these decrees of putting your body down to keep yourself holy, things that sound wise and seem to be religious, but they're really a man-made religion. They're still the basics of the world, how the world functions. You see, the world just functions apart from Christ. That's really how it functions, apart from Christ, and we are not to function that way. And so we come to our passage today, which is a continuation of what we've been saying. So turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 1 to 4, and this is a wonderful passage. He says, If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Tremendous passage. Now, this passage is sandwiched within this idea of fleshly indulgence. Back in chapter 2, these things are of no value against fleshly indulgence. There's religious things the false guys are trying to bring to you. They're of no value. And then we have a statement concerning who we are in Christ and where our minds are to be. And then right after this, we have that we should be dead to those things. Consider yourself dead to those fleshly indulgences in a sense. It's really in that context. And so this is really putting practical application on everything he's taught already. This is really the practical workings of how not to get caught up in your flesh. It's really the practical workings of that. And so then notice we have this command, first of all. If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Keep seeking things above. Now this is a command. The command is keep seeking the things above with a qualifier, if then you've been raised up with Christ. And it speaks of a continual habitual action. Continually, habitually seek the things above. Seek them. If you're seeking something, you're looking for it. You're paying attention to it. If I'm looking for my dog, I'm seeking him out. Where is he? I'm looking for him. I'm seeking it. I'm seeking the things here, the things above. And it is a command. And notice, grammatically, it's strengthened by verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. It's strengthened with that. So notice we have this command. Keep seeking the things above. That's really the basis of our passage today. But yet notice there is a basis for a passage. Notice what it is, the basis for this command here. Verse 1. If then you have been raised up with Christ Jesus, keep seeking the things above. Now this is a Greek clause, and there's different Greek phrases here, different Greek conditions. And here it's in a first-class condition. What does that mean? It means it is assumed to be true. If you've been raised with Christ, and yes, you have, the way the grammar is there, that's what it says. If you're a Greek hearer, you'd hear that, in a sense. Then keep seeking the things above. He's saying to these Colossians who are believers, if you've been raised up with Christ, if this is about what's happened to you, then do this. Now, we saw earlier in chapter 2, verse 20, a Similar statement, but in a different portion. Look at chapter 2, verse 20. If you have died with Christ, our passage says, if you've been raised with him. Remember what we saw, what it means to die with Christ, have died with him, and to be raised with him. Is that not what we saw earlier in verses 11 and 12? It says, and in him, chapter 2, You were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He changed your heart, right? Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see, through faith, we were placed into union with Jesus Christ. And thus his death to sin on the cross and his resurrection unto life. And this happened when we believe the Holy Spirit placed us into the body of Christ. We were baptized, placed into, identified with. First Corinthians 12, 
13. And Galatians chapter 3, 27. For we were all baptized into Christ Jesus, all baptism through faith. When you believed in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins, the Spirit of God places you in union with Christ. His death to sin and resurrection to life now apply to you in the context of complete forgiveness. His work applies to us. And this is really the case that Paul is making in the book of Romans. It's really the case he's making in chapter 6. Let's turn it to Romans chapter 6. So you can't be raised with Christ if you haven't died with him, right? You're united to everything, and there's death to sin. We saw a lot of that in chapter 2, right? How it applies. But now, because you're dead to sin, you're raised in newness of life. You're in Christ. You can seek him. You can go to him, right? As we'll see. You see the two things here. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace might increase? May it never be. He just made the point that as sin increased, grace increased. Because God's grace covers sin. But he says, hey, don't misunderstand that. May you never think that you can send it up for more grace. May that never be the way you think. He says, how shall we who died to sin still live? You have died to sin. He's going to explain it. Or do you not know or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized or placed into Christ Jesus through faith have been baptized into his death? You've been united to his death. It's applied to you. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. That's our verses. Verses 3, 1 through 4 is walking in newness of life. It's really what it's about. The other chapter is about saying no to sin because we're dead to sin. Saying no. Why? If you're dead to it, why do you do it? You are dead to it in Christ, but yet you are alive to God. And so he says here, verse 5, Romans 6, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was, and you could see this in the Greek, co-crucified with him, and that our body of sin might be done away. We still have this body of sin. Who will set me free? Paul talks about the body of sin in chapter 7. It's Jesus that sets us free, right, in our union with him. And then we're going to be glorified. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, the end of chapter 2, alive to God in Christ Jesus, chapter 3. And then dead to sin after he goes after that, our portion. So we're going to say, you see, we are dead to the power of our old life because of our union with Christ. Now we can yield up when we, practically speaking, separate from him and just go our own way and do our own things. But God will spank us. He'll convict us. When we're abiding in Christ, we're dead to sin. But we're also alive to him. And the life we live should be different. And it all happens in the mind. That's where it happens. It should be different. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. He doesn't say, oh, oh. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. Isn't that glorious? 
And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. It's all this. Everything we're going to read is by faith. It's through faith. It's not through experience. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the Son of God. We are new creations in Christ. We have this little sentimental thing. We want to look at who we used to be, and we like some of the things that's in our life from before. We have a little sentimental stuff, but listen to what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's going to be helpful. What does it mean to seek the things above? What does that mean? It's helpful here, right? Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Are you a new creation in Christ? Have you died to your old life and been raised in newness of life? If that's the case, then this passage applies to you. If that's the case, if you're a believer, then this applies to us. If you have died with Christ, if that's the thing, and then if you have been raised with him, keep seeking the things above. Now, we're all commanded to do this. And you say, yes, I desire to do it. I'm here in this passage. I want to do it. But how do we do it? And that leads to the question, what are the things above? What am I seeking? Am I seeking pearly gates? Am I seeking gold streets? Am I seeking angel clouds? What am I seeking? What things am I seeking? Notice what he says here. And this helps us clarify what it means. Because the bad guys could make you think you're seeking the things above when you're actually seeking the things of the earth. Right? That's what they're doing. And that's really what this is heading off. If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above Notice this, very important. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where the things above are. Obviously, they're the heavenly things of Christ, the exalted things of Christ. He says where Christ is, here's the location. That's the location where we seek it. Seated at the right hand of God. You see, these are the heavenly realities, the kingdom realities, the kingdom values, the kingdom truths centered around the King, Jesus Christ, They are the things of Christ. And folks, by the way, we're not of this world. We see in Galatians 1.4 that Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present evil age. We see in Ephesians 1.3 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's our Christ. We know that we are aliens and sojourners on this earth. 1 Peter 1. 1 and 2.11. What about Abraham? Abraham, he lived on this earth. He had cattle. He had situations with his relatives, all this stuff, you know. But he was seeking something different. He understood he was looking for a different country. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 13. And this is in the context of those testified of by God who fought the good fight of faith and endured to the end. God is testifying of them. This is that great cloud of testifiers. This is some of them right here. Hebrews 11, 13. And all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance 
and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they'd been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Seeking a better country. Seeking a better place. Hey, we're here. I'm not somewhere else. I'm here. But we're going to see how we are to live in this world and do the things of the everyday realities of being human and in this world, but not be of this world. That's not a Bible verse. I'm in, in the world, but not of it. But it's a principle we see. You see, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, Philippians 3.20, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just passing through. we got to remember this. Yes, you're going to be married. You're going to have asked these different things, whatever it might be of jobs, you know, but we're still just passing through. All those things need to be seen through eternal lenses rather than worldly lenses, as we'll say. And that's the difference. We're commanded to be preoccupied with seeking Christ and his invisible kingdom realities. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 6.31. Do not be anxious then, Jesus says, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Hey, they seek the stuff, the food and shelter and everything. You know, that's what they seek. He says here, for your heavenly father, now this is being sending your mind things, but your heavenly father knows. Okay, I'm going to redo my mind. He knows. He says he knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. A little earlier, Matthew 6, verse 17, Jesus says, But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will repay you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You gotta think that. You gotta think through that. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you treasure. If you're seeking the things below and you're treasuring that, then you're not gonna be treasuring the things above. Now we can commit the things below to the Lord and see them differently, can't we? That's what we're gonna say. Because the bad guys will come and say, well, you need to separate from that. You need to go to the monastery and stay away from everything. You need to treat yourself badly. You need to do this and this. No, that's not what you need to do. You need to seek the things of Christ. You need to set your mind on the things above, as we'll see. And then notice he says where Christ is, and he gives a description, which is really important. Because you need to remember who our God is. We need to remember how powerful he is. We're seeking the exalted one. He says, seated, back in our passage, he was raised with Christ, seeing the things of where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, what does this term seated at the right hand mean? And why does Paul share it here? Well, in ancient times, to sit at someone's right hand spoke of a place of honor. And yet to sit at the right hand of a king was more than just honor. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. 
CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close, can you reiterate to whom this passage in Colossians 3 applies? Well, Dave, very simply, as we've seen, it applies to all believers. Those who have, through faith in Christ, been united to him, his death to sin, and his resurrected life. You see, these commands are for all of us who have been saved by his grace. And here today, we've just begun to learn how to seek first his kingdom in a very practical way. Okay, we're out of time. So please make plans to join us tomorrow as we continue this life-changing passage. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church.